Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. If you're excited for revival, give him a hand clap right now. Come on. I'm excited. Woo, it's going to be an incredible week. Please be here. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series um, on the end times that we're calling the final countdown. And in that first message, we talked about the return of Christ, and we're going to kind of pick up where I left off last week. Um, and with that being said, again, I am, I'm stirred up in my spirit. Anybody else stirred up in their spirit? You know, I, I really am. I'm excited about revival. I'm ex- excited about the return of Christ. And last week, we, we talked about being ill-prepared or oil-prepared. We're, we're either going to be ill-prepared for the coming of Christ and for the move of God in the earth, or we're going to be oil-prepared. And the Scripture teaches us that it's only those who are looking for his return. That, will, that they are the ones that will actually experience his return. How many of we should be looking for Jesus' return? All right, can we, can we just throw that out there? We should be looking for it. And a lot of people will say things like this. Church people are crazy. Some, some church people will say, well, pastor, I'm gonna take my chances in the tribulation. And I'm thinking, if you can't serve the Lord now, when the scripture says during the tribulation period, that seven-year period, that if those days were not shortened, that no one would survive, and three-fourths of the world's population is completely wiped out during the tribulation period, I don't know why people want to take their chance. I don't know about you. I want to go on the first boatload out. I don't, want to, I don't want to be standing around here worrying about a mark of the beast and all the stuff that preachers use to scare you. Listen, you don't have to be here. You don't have to stay around for that, that you can be caught up as we talked about last week. And this is for those who are in relationship with Jesus. And not only, and and again, it's not relationship with the church. It's not, uh, I know a bunch of religious stuff or I can quote some scriptures. It's, do you have any oil? Do you have intimacy with Christ? Do you love Jesus? Let's take it a step further. Do you love his word? Because it's impossible for you to love Jesus and not live his word. If you love Jesus, Jesus said, those that love me will obey me. And so his word, we got to fall back in love with the word. Paul said, as it relates to the great falling away, which is one of the end time signs that Jesus is coming back, that there would be a falling away, not just from the church, but a falling away from truth. He said that they will lose or they have lost their love. And that that word love there is agape, which is the highest form of love. They have lost the love of the truth. Listen, if you take parts of the Bible out, the Bible says that, that, how many, that's a big deal. We don't get to pick and choose which parts we believe, which parts we stand on. We either take all of it or we take none of it. 
Because if we take away from the word of God or add to the word of God, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. I don't want to be the kind of church that picks and chooses what we're going to believe. I want to take it at face value. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's the kind of church I want to be. Now, this is why I said we got a lot of woke Christians and woke pastors, and they're, they're taking up all these causes, many of which are great causes. They're not bad causes, but you have to understand no cause that you and I pick up supersedes the cause of, of the kingdom. That the kingdom is the greatest cause in the earth. There is no plan B. God's own, the only thing God is building is the, his church. There's not a plan B, there's not a plan C. There's only a plan A. And so I wanna, I wanna talk to you this morning uh, on this title. I'm gonna call this message Oil Spill. Oil Spill. Everybody say Oil Spill. All right, this is gonna make sense in just a little while. I'm gonna kind of preach into this. Um, I believe that there is going to be an oil spill as we get closer and closer to the coming of Christ one of the things that I believe is a precursor of Jesus' return is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a last day harvest that will be won before Jesus returns. Anybody want to be a part of the last day re revival, the last day move of God in the earth? It's one of the things that's going to happen. And so before we read the scripture, I want to show you this timeline real quick. If you guys can throw the timeline up on the LED wall behind me. I, I want everybody to see this. You can take a picture of it, but I wanna walk us through this real quick. Um, when, when God created Adam and Eve, everybody say Adam and Eve. All right, Adam and Eve was created and God had relationship with them. 3,000 years later, Jesus comes. Everybody say Jesus came. All right, Jesus came, he lived a sinless, perfect life. He laid down his, his life for you and I. The only reason we have relationship with God today, it's not because we're good, it's because Jesus is good. Y'all feel me this morning. It's, it's, it's not us, it's him. Jesus died, but how many know, if he had died and not gotten up, all of this is in vain. The resurrection happens and then you have the birth of the church. Everybody say the church. Now this is so good because we are in, right now, we are in what is called the dispensation um, of grace or what we would call the church age. Now what you have to understand is in the Old Testament, they, they were not in the dispensation of grace, they were under the dispensation of law. And so the only way they could be made right with God was through their works, through acts of obedience. That's what made them right with God. But we, we are not in the age of the law. That, that day, that dispensation is over. We are in the dispensation of grace or the church age, but what many fail to understand is that this dispensation of grace, this church age is coming to a close and just like it was in the days of Noah, once the door was shut, you drown. How many know this age of grace is going to end and one day the door will shut and it will be too late for anyone to get in? Am I telling you the truth? 
all right? It'll be too late. Hit somebody real quick because he hasn't came yet, I don't think, unless we all missed it. Hit him and tell him he's not come yet, all right? So we're in the church age, which is the next prophetic event that has to take place, and there's so many things I could teach and preach about Israel's ties, and there's a lot of signs that we could talk to, but one of the next biggest things that's going to happen is the rapture of the church, and that's what we're talking about last week and what we're talking about today. It's when those who are alive and remain are called up to meet the Lord in the air, followed by seven years of tribulation. This is what you don't want to hang out for. How many of you don't want to really hang out for all that? There's a lot of people, and I know there's a lot of doctrine and a lot of teaching about, you know, pre-trib. I I believe we're pre-trib because as it was with Noah, before the judgment was poured out, they were rescued out. And, And Jesus said, my coming is going to parallel the days of Noah and Lot, which means, and if you look at both stories, they were rescued before the judgment was poured out. So I wholeheartedly believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. There are other people who believe in a mid-trib, like in the middle of the trib, three and a half years in, that's when the rapture takes place. There are some people that believe in a post-trib. And and here's the thing, guys. I don't care if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. I think everybody ought to be pan-trib. And what I mean by that is however it pans out, I'm going to be all right. Come on, somebody. However it pans out, we're going to be okay if we're in relationship with God. Seven years of tribulation, then the return of Christ where he sets up his 1,000 year. Some people think we all just go to heaven, tribulation happens, the end. No, the rapture of the church precedes, I believe, the tribulation period, that seven year tribulation period. But right after that, guess what? God says we're coming back to the earth to rule and to reign for 1,000 years. I don't know about you, but Jesus may have to tell me to get on my own horse because I'm going to ride right behind him, amen? I'm ready to rule and reign with him. And then we have the final judgment. We have the battle of Armageddon during this time where, how many know, at the end of the day, Jesus is going to put all his enemies under his feet. Every single enemy is going to be under his feet. And then he sets up a new heaven and a new earth where you and I will live in eternity with Jesus. How many know, we sung about it this morning, he he is faithful. We can rest in his promises. And one of the things that we need to rest in as the people of God is that Jesus is coming back and this life, it's, it's a short life. Even if you live to be 100, it pales in comparison to eternity. And so our goal needs to be, are we living in a way that qualifies us to live with him in eternity? I, 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 I want to make it, but I want to make sure that you make it. Is that all right? I had some people teasing me last week saying that was just a tough message. Kevin, he told me he got his steel toes on this morning. <laughs> but how many know that's the kind of preaching that will get you ready? Not only for the return of Christ, but repentance precedes revival. That if we, don't, if we don't repent and make things right, we'll not only miss out on the rapture, but we will miss out on the move of God. And so I want to look at Matthew 25 again, 
verses 1 through 13, and we're going to pull some things out of this, out of this uh, text and also 1 Thessalonians 4. But it says in Matthew 25, it says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lampstand, and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. How many know that describes the church right there? They were drowsy, and they fell asleep, and at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Again, there we see it. The door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. See, there is an increased awareness that we are really, really close to the coming of the Lord. And you say, well, my parents believe that. Even the early church thought that they were, would be the generation that would see the return of Christ. They, they lived their lives as if Jesus could return. But we, 2,000 years later, from the birth of the church, we are, we are seeing signs that they never got to see. We're, we're seeing a lot of things happen that they never got to witness, which points to the fact that we are much closer to the return of Christ. Now, here's the thing. These words are supposed to encourage those that belong to Jesus. Like, this, like if this is producing fear in you, then you may have some repenting to do. Because if you're right with God, like talking about Jesus coming back for his bride should not produce fear, but it should produce courage, all right? Totally different mindset. Now, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you're not in relationship with Jesus, I hope you're behind us scared. If that's what it takes to get you in the kingdom, then I'm all for whatever it takes to get you in the kingdom. But listen, I'm not serving God today because I'm afraid I'm going to hell. I'm serving God today because he's been better to me than I've been to myself. He's been faithful to me when I've not been faithful to him. That's why I'm serving God. He's a good God. Somebody give him a praise if he's been a good God. A good God. Come on. He's worthy. He's worthy of praise. I'm not just serving him because I I don't want to go to hell. I'm serving him because he is so good to me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's read this and I'm going to give you some points. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Those of you that have lost family members that, that knew Jesus, you do not have to grieve. 
you do not have to lose hope. I promise you, if they, if they were in relationship with Jesus and they have met him in heaven, I promise you they do not want to come back here. They are doing all right. They probably just praying for you. Right? We grieve sometimes, and I get it, because we miss people. But if they were in relationship with God, let them go. I mean, they are, they are in their eternal home. They, they are already there. They're, they're, they're helping Jesus prepare for your arrival, amen? They're, they're there waiting on your arrival. In verse 14, it says, For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And that, that literally means those who have died. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have died. Or as Paul, the King James, New King James or NIV says, fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. That word caught up is where we get the word rapture. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And here's the good news. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. How many of we could we ought to give God a praise just for this promise, right? Like, I mean, that that's so good. The, these verses, Paul was writing to people who were grieving lost loved ones. And he's trying to tell them, you don't have to grieve. You, you don't have to lose hope. Like, those that have died, they're actually with the Lord before you're going to be with the Lord. He's, he's trying to encourage them. And we see five distinct uh, pictures that Paul paints in those few verses. The first is the return. He said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Jesus is returning. The disciples, their last um, visual of Jesus, the Bible says that they watched with their eyes as Jesus ascended into the heavens. They were staring and watching him go. And this was after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. It says they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So you got two angels that show up and say, why are you all standing here with your hands in your pocket looking into heaven? This same Jesus that you see going, that's the same Jesus that will return and bring you unto himself where you will live for eternity. They, so the angel is encouraging, partly because their work had just begun. So why y'all standing here looking up into heaven? He's ascended. He resurrected. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father, and you guys are still standing here looking into the sky. You know what the angel's really saying? Get to work. Advance the kingdom. Occupy until he comes back. Do what he's called you to do. How many know we got to work while it's day because the night is coming? 
So don't just stand and, and stare and, and, you know, wait like that. We got to be busy. Jesus wants us to be busy. He wants us to preach the gospel. He wants us to heal the sick. He wants us to raise up those that are in bondage. He wants us to come out to a revival and say, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in this place and in this region as it is in heaven. They started, they stared and they gazed as Jesus ascended, but we're instructed this same Jesus is coming back. So you have the return. Then you got the resurrection because Paul said, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The message of the resurrection is not a new message. It wasn't even a new message for them. The, the message of the resurrection has been the hope of believers since they knew who God was. Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed about what's about to happen. And don't be like people who have no hope. And Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And so Paul's painting this picture that Jesus did get up. If you don't believe Jesus got up or you don't believe we can be resurrected, then you don't believe Jesus is resurrected. That's what he's telling them. Like, Jesus got up, which is a precursor to you getting up. Because Jesus got up, the scripture says that he is the firstborn of many. That if he got up, so can you. The next Paul says is the rapture. He says, then we who are alive and remain shall be called up. Just as soon as the dead have been raised, there will be a rapture. This is the catching up of those who believe. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, he said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Paul said, not everybody's going to die. Some people, their feet are about to leave the ground. They're not going to experience a death. He said, but we all will be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The, the next handshake that you experience could be the handshake of your Savior. The next step you take could be steps on streets made out of gold. The next meal you eat could be the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of this is all real good news? I know that a lot of preachers make it scary and spooky and we all think we're going to hell in a handbasket, but I believe that those that know Christ are on their way to heaven. Either by death or by the rapture, we're gonna go to heaven, amen? We will be changed. Then he says there'll be a reunion. He said to meet the Lord in the air. You thought your family reunion was cool? <laughs> this is gonna be a reunion like no other. I mean, think about people you love and you, they, they love God and they're no longer here. Can you imagine the moment that you get to see them again? Not only, and yes, I know, we're real spiritual and we want to say, well, I just want to see Jesus, and I'm with you. I just want to see Jesus. Like, he's getting, maybe the first thousand years, that's all I'm going to do is hug Jesus. 
you'll have to wait in line. But I do think it's going to be really, really cool to see people that have gone on before me that I love dearly, that died, and they had a relationship with Jesus. Can you imagine what kind of reunion that's going to be when you see those people again? The Bible says that we will be known there as we were known here. And so you're going to know those people. You're going to see them. You're going to see the joy that they've experienced and the joy that you get to experience. So you've got... The, the rapture and then the reunion and then you have the reassurance because Paul closes out this discourse by saying, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort each other with these words. And, and this is the comfort for uh, a troubled world but also an expecting church. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the saved. He's coming back for those that are his bride. He's coming back for a church that is twice born and blood-bought. Anybody been twice born and blood-bought this morning? He's coming back for you. I contend while there are a lot of people that will say that the church will barely hold on and barely survive and that we're going to be maimed and limping across the finish line and that we're, we're, we're going to barely make it in. I contend there are people who are less vigorous and vigilant, and, but, but there is a vast majority of people that I have met, that I have been in connection with, that are just the opposite because the church of the last days is not some weak, watered down, maimed, half crippled, like can't get nothing done in the earth, but the, Jesus is not coming back for less than what he left. He's coming back for something that is powerful. He's coming back for something that is pure. He's coming back for something that is prepared. And I want to announce to everybody in this church and to the devil that Jesus is not coming back for a weak, broken-down church, but he's coming back, the Scripture says, for a glorious church. Come on, somebody. If you believe that our best days are still in front of us and not behind us, he's not coming back for less than what he left. He's coming back for a powerful church. The story of the virgins in Matthew 25 is a reflection of the condition of the raptured church. There's three things I want to give you before we end today that I think we can see clearly because it's a picture of the rapture. I said when Jesus returns, half, half the people of God are not prepared. But I believe that the half that is prepared, not only are they prepared, they're powerful. They, they got oil. And, and so we see in this text three things that I think we can pull out. Number one, the raptured church will be pure. And this is kind of how we ended last week. Because when I said, you don't, you don't, you're not ready for Christ, you don't know, you need to rededicate, you need to get saved. I was, listen, you, I, I am so glad that so many people jumped up out of their seat and ran to an altar how many of that, that's nothing to be ashamed of. If anything, we all, we all ought to be celebrating the fact that people got up and walked down and said, I don't know if I'm ready or not, but I'm not willing to let what you think of me deter me from this moment. I would rather be right with God than worry about your opinion of me. So give them a hand. Every person that made that step, God bless you, man. That's, that's good stuff. 
So they, they're going to be pure. 1 John 3 and 3 says, all who have this hope, what hope? That Jesus is coming back. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. A life that is dominated by sin is a life that has lost hope in the return of Christ. A life that is dominated by sin has lost hope and, and they're not anticipating the return of Christ. Hit your neighbor real quick and tell him, clean it up. That's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody, clean it up. Clean it up. I do believe that this pandemic season, and I, I want to word this the right way, but it has been a pruning season. A pruning season, not just for you as an individual, it's been a pruning season for the body of Christ. That God has been clearing away some of the stuff that we don't need in order to experience him on a greater level. I have watched people who were on fire for God and in this season, the last 18 to 20 months, I have watched people that were, before the pandemic, they were on fire, all they could talk about was Jesus and now they have, they're cold, they're indifferent, they have lost their, their passion. They, they're not carrying any oil, if you, if you can catch my, my, what, what I'm trying to say there. They don't have any, any uh, passion for the things of God now. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Leviticus 11.44 says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Watch this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I don't have time to teach this principle, but the epistles teach us something that, and it kind of goes like this. Maybe one day we'll get into the teaching, but it, they teach us the writings of Paul. If you read them all together and you, you put it together, the word of God teaches us to clean ourselves up or God will have to do it. I don't have time to teach this, but I'm, I'm going to throw something out to you. I want to encourage you to clean yourself up because if God has to do it, it ain't pretty. The Apostle Paul said about some brothers in the Lord that had stuff in their life because they would not clean themselves up Y'all wouldn't like the, the Apostle Paul as your pastor because he said, Lord, I turned them over for the destruction of their flesh. In other words, God start killing them so that their soul may be saved. You say, well, I don't like that. You, you got to understand, that's grace-filled because Paul knew if they don't clean themselves up, they're going to end up in hell, so I would rather their flesh be destroyed now if it'll be a wake-up call that their soul might be spared. So what God will do many times, he will put the ball in your court and tell you, clean it up. Hit your neighbor and tell him, clean it up. God will tell you, listen, I, I've had things in my life that I wouldn't deal with, and then God had to deal with it. And I'm going to tell you, it's a lot easier if you just go ahead and deal with it. Because when the Lord, he gets serious. Because ultimately, God wants you to be in heaven with him. Not burning in hell saying, I wish I had changed. 
He wants you to, to spend. He, you are his kids. And, and I've seen parents that had to give some tough love to kids. I've seen parents that would bail their children out of jail over and over and over and over and over again. And they would keep going back to jail. But one day they had to get to the place that said, you know what? Maybe jail is what they need. I'm going to leave their behind in there. And maybe it'll teach them something. And a lot of times they come out different on the other side. How many of you, sometimes we need some tough love if it's going to help us change? My amen's left. But I'm telling you, if you don't clean it up and God starts cleaning it up for you, woo, he'll wear your behind out. See, don't, don't wait. If God's already telling you clean something up, clean it up. Get it under the blood. Is this good preaching? Is this okay? Some of you are like, no, I, I want last week. I'm trying to get you ready for revival. In Psalm 24, 3 and 4, it says, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So the raptured church is going to be a pure church. That's what we get from the, the parable of the ten virgins. Secondly, the raptured church will be prepared. Matthew 25 reveals that the five, five of the virgins were prepared for the unknown. And, and they, were, they were prepared for the unknown of when the groom would return. And they had an ample supply of oil in hand for their lamps. All ten virgins had lamps, but evidently, not all of them left home with enough oil. It's a picture of when we got enough oil to burn for a little while, but then our flame dies out. And I think a lot of people, the reason so many people, and this is not a criticism, the reason so many people responded to the altar call, because the temptation is in these last days, the enemy wants you to run out of oil. There have been seasons it, it, and and times in my life, especially in, during this pandemic, if we're being all honest and transparent, that I had to go and cultivate some oil again. That I had to dig some, some new wells. I had, to, I had to dig in and not allow the flame to go out. And so a lot of people start out with oil, but they run out of oil. They've been weighed down by the world, weighed down by frustration, weighed down by disappointment, weighed down by a pandemic, weighed down by an election that didn't go the way they wanted it to go, weighed down by all these things, and the result is, is that they have leaked out all their oil. They have no oil. I believe it's a picture of the fact that when Christ returns, those who will experience the rapture will have oil. They will have intimacy with God. Matthew 24, 44 says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Verse 42, the same chapter says, therefore keep watch. Therefore, or, or because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. It's one thing to have enough oil to burn initially. And a lot of people experience that when they first get saved. They got oil in, the, in, in, the, in their lamp. They're, they got passion. They got fire. They, they got energy. They're serving in their church. They're, they're leading small groups. They're, they're coming out to the revival. They're doing what God has called them to do. But, but if they don't have enough oil, it, it burns out. It flames out. And then 
They don't serve. Listen, I said last week, if people are on fire for Jesus, you don't have to beg anybody to serve. I, can, I, can I have a transparent moment right here? <laughs> Two of you. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. But my team came and said, Pastor, we got, we got some, a lot of holes in B kids, you know. We got all these holes, and we, we need to do A, B, and C. And, and, and I'm not a beggar, so I said, we're not begging. I said, before we beg, we'll shut it down. I said, because if I got to beg them to come, I got to beg them to stay. My comment was, what we need is people to fall in love with Jesus. Because we'll be in line seven deep waiting to serve. Y'all not hearing me. When you're on fire for Jesus, nobody has to beg you to serve. Nobody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nobody has to beg you. If you knew there was a hole and you're on fire for Jesus, I don't care. You'd say, I'll go back there, Pastor. That's right. Listen. If we're on fire, I, I, and I said, what's the, they said, what's the answer? I said, we're going to have revival. I said, because if people get stirred up and on fire for Jesus, we won't have a hole anywhere in this building. How many know that's the truth? I'm trying not to scream that at you. I was just having a transparent moment, all right? It's therapeutic for me. Rapture church will be prepared. Number three, the rapture church will be powerful. I want you to grab this. Oil in the text not only implies intimacy, but it implies power. Jesus will not return for less than what he left behind. He does not, Jesus always exceeds himself. And so if the mountain, if, if, if a bush is burning in one moment, the whole mountain is on fire in the next. And I'm believing that a revival is going to hit. And listen, I'm not so like narrow-minded to only think about our nation. I'm believing that a last day outpouring is going to sweep over the globe. Every country. But how many will take it right here in the United States of America? Right here in our region. Come on, somebody. God, do it in us. Do it in us. Jesus said in Acts 1-8 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus instructed his disciples to wait until they had power. In verses 4 and 5 it says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen, we are called to do, according to Jesus' words, greater works. Here's, one, here's something the Holy Spirit gave me this week. We can't have big miracles and big breakthrough without big altars. It's got to start... In the altar, in Mark 16, 17, and 18, it says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get 
well. The condition of the raptured church is pure, it's prepared, but it's also powerful. We are supposed to be walking in signs and in wonders, not chasing signs and wonders, but signs and wonders are supposed to be following those that believe that everywhere you go, something has to shift, something has to change. Sick bodies got to be healed. Those in bondage got to be delivered. That everywhere we go, we are bringing God's kingdom into that situation. I'm looking for an oil spill to hit our church and to hit our region. If you know anything about an oil spill, you know that oil spills impact culture. Oil spills change life in the natural. Oil spills are not easily removed or easily cleaned up. And I'm looking for the type of oil spill that is not easily removed and not easily cleaned up, but the kind of oil spill that starts cleaning sin out, the kind of oil spill that starts putting families back together, the kind of oil spill that delivers those that are in bondage, the kind of oil spill that raises dead people, the kind of oil spill that everything that God touches is changed. That's the kind of oil spill I'm looking for. This week will be life-changing. God is going to put families back together. I prophesy that. Sick bodies are going to be healed. Those that are lost will be saved. Church, if you believe it, give him a crazy praise right now. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Release a shout in the atmosphere. Come on, your shout changes. Some of you are getting ready, and I'm I'm just going to kind of give you what God gave me. You're getting ready to go to another level. But here's the thing. When God takes you up, I don't even have time to give you the couple more things I have, but when God takes you to the next level, it always means that you got to leave some things you don't need behind. And so I I just prophesy some of you are going to have to leave some drama behind. You're going to have to leave some unforgiveness behind, some bitterness behind, some addiction behind. I'm willing to leave anything behind me that does not reflect who God wants me to be in this new season. Some of y'all are going to, listen, this revival for some of you, it's going to do what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. You ain't coming out of that thing the same, baby. You ain't, you ain't coming out of this week the same person that you were. God is about, listen, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, oil, my oil and my fire is available to those that want it. Those that want it, those that desire it, listen, God, God is not stingy. He wants to pour it out. He wants there to be an oil spill over this house like we've, listen church, I know we've been through a difficult season the last 18 to 20 months, but I can't help but believe that what's in front of us is greater than anything that is behind us. Our next season will be our most fruitful season. Come on church. 
How many believe Jesus is coming back? I believe he's coming back. But I also believe that until he comes back, revival is accessible. It's here and it's now. And so I'm gonna do an altar call very similar to last week. If you say, Pastor, I just don't know if I'm right with the Lord. I don't know if I'm ready for the return of Christ. I don't know if I'm ready to meet Jesus. Listen, if you don't know, if you're saved, you ought to know. I'm either ready or not. But if you don't know, that may be an indicator that you need to get some things right. So once again, heads up, eyes open. If you need to make sure that you're ready to meet Christ and you're ready for the last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you wanna make sure that your relationship with Him is right, I want you to step out of your seat on the count of three and I want you to come and I promise you, you'll be celebrated. One, two, three, make your way to the altar. Make your way to the altar. Make your way to the altar. Come on, if I'm talking to you, come on, celebrate these that are coming. Anyone else, come on. Take a minute. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Come on, they're by faith. They're, they're stepping into their relationship with God. Come on, we celebrate. Every voice, every voice lifted together. We're going to pray with those that have made this bold declaration today. Every voice lifted say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, save me, and change me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give him a big God bless you. So good, so good. I want to ask real quick, real quick, those of you that made that decision and you made the steps all the way up here, listen, we want to make sure that we help you with your next step. If you could make your way back to our salvation table, it's the back left of the room. We're gonna put a new Bible in your hand, get you registered if you need to be baptized. We wanna take a moment to make sure we have that info so that we can celebrate you on November the 7th. Um, how many know this is an incredible time to be alive? An incredible time to be alive. I'm going to ask our prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to open up these altars. Listen, revival's not tomorrow night. Revival's right now. You need to be here tomorrow night, but listen, God can do something right now. So we're going to open up these altars. Worship team, you guys get ready. Let's sing and worship God together today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.